0: Welcome to the latest episode of Leader Readycast. I'm your host, Eric McNulty. This month, the NPLI marks its 15th anniversary, and today we're going to be looking back at the program's greatest hits and forward to what's next to come. My guests today are Dr. Leonard Marcus, the founding co-director of the NPLI, and Rich Serino, a distinguished senior fellow at the NPLI. Both Lenny and Rich have been here since the beginning, Lenny is one of the original faculty and Rich was a member of cohort one of the MPLI executive education program. The MPLI now boasts more than 750 alumni from that program and thousands more who have been trained in meta leadership through other symposia and initiatives across the country and around the world. Many of these individuals are leading preparedness and response efforts for our most significant challenges. Lenny and Rich, welcome to the program. Lenny, let me start with you first. You have been here. You're the founding co-director along with David Gergen. You've been here for 15 years. What were the challenges that brought this program into being?
1: Well, the program was established in November 2003 around Thanksgiving, and uh, shortly thereafter, David Gergen and myself. David, of course, is the director of the Center for Public Leadership at the Kennedy School and also the co-director of the NPLI. Uh, went down to, the, to Washington and met with the Chief Homeland Security Advisor for President Bush at the time. And there were two problems that he identified, and these became our initial themes. First, Department of Homeland Security was a new entity. How do we get all the different components of DHS working together? And the second, there hadn't been a real career path for leadership and leadership development within the Homeland Security Enterprise. How do we develop leaders, how do we promote leaders, and how do we advance leaders? Those two challenges were, the beginning questions for us uh, here at the NPLI.
0: And how do those inform your initial programs?
1: We were looking for a model that could encompass both of those challenges, and that's where the meta-leadership idea came into being. And of course, when we first started talking about it, it was how to build connectivity of effort across the many different agencies of the federal government so that they would be working together when disaster would strike the country. From there, meta-leadership, of course, grew and developed. With that theme though, the question for everyone, both faculty and participants, was how do you get people working together in times of crisis when they're doing so from very different vantage points?
0: Now, Rich, you were in the first cohort, which was in 2005, the first executive education cohort, and now you're a member of the program faculty. What meta-leadership lessons have you brought across that period from when you were using it in the field to now you're teaching it in the classroom?
2: Well, Eric, first of all, I want to say thank you for uh, having me here today, and congratulations to, to Lenny for uh, starting the program. And the fact that I was in the first program, as I've said in the past, it's, uh, it's when the standards were low. But seriously, one of the things that I uh, have been taking many leadership programs over the years, that the meta-leadership training gave you was something that was useful and practical, that I could see myself in what was being taught as a meta-leader. It gave me the tools initially as chief of EMS in Boston to how to understand what I did as a person, understand myself, and gave me confidence as a leader, but then also helped me understand what I needed to do, how I could not just lead, you know, the folks who reported to me, but also how would I lead up, uh, how would I lead across, how would I lead beyond, and understanding the various situations that I found myself in both in Boston and then when I was fortunate enough to go to FEMA under President Obama as the Deputy Administrator, to actually understand, uh, gave me the tools to understand where I was going, what I was doing. And I think probably one of the more important things was the network that it gave me. Uh, When I got to Washington, D.C., the network of the 750 alumni that I got to know all throughout, whether it was in the White House, Department of Homeland Security, um, some folks in Congress, as well as some folks in uh, Health and Human Services, all throughout government, everywhere I went, I was able to run into an NPI alumni that helped me in DC when I first got there in 2009.
0: Well, Rich, I think you make two great points there. I mean, one is is that network, and now when anything happens at scale in this country, you can pretty much be guaranteed there'll be NPI alumni either leading or or close to the forefront of leading the, the response. Uh, be it a wildfire, a hurricane, a terror attack uh, response, whatever it happens to be. And secondly, and I'm the new kid here, I've only been here 10 years, this notion of meta-leadership with its three dimensions, the person, the situation, and connectivity, one of its most useful aspects is it does help people understand what they're already doing and that sort of collection of things they've learned over the years and put it together in a way that it becomes even, even more useful. Lenny, if you would say a word or two about meta-leadership and how, how you develop the idea?
1: Well, first off, we had the challenge uh, right at the outset um, uh, from the White House. How do we get all these d- different pieces working together? And f- from there, we recognized it wasn't only getting pieces of the government working together, that uh, the working together had to extend out to the uh, humanitarian community, the Red Cross and others. It had to extend out to the business community. And so meta-leadership then evolved into how do we get the whole of community, an idea that Rich and others embedded within FEMA in terms of their approach. So how do you get the whole of community working together when we're talking about preparedness and response? So one of the critical uh, early programs for the NPLI was one that we worked on with the CDC, CDC Foundation, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the meta-leadership summits for preparedness. And that's where all of those elements of meta-leadership, the person, the situation, and connectivity came into play. We would go to communities, 32 communities across the country, work on their challenges, and get all of those sectors of the community working together along the theme of meta-leadership.
0: One of the other interesting aspects, I believe, I think, of this program is that the research that is done is somewhat unorthodox, but it's very rooted in practical application. So it's not unusual for one of us or one of our faculty colleagues to be called out and grab the go bag and be off to observe leaders in the field. Lenny, I'm gonna push this back to you as well. How did you come up with this idea of researching in the field, and how has it evolved over time?
1: So at the inaugural event for the NPLI, we said that we will join, Harvard will join the country in the steep learning curve on preparedness and response. And it's important to remember that this was still in the post 9-11 era. Uh, It was felt that we do need to learn uh, in this country how to defend ourselves against external threats and how to do better in responding to disasters, whether it be hurricanes or other natural events. So at the inaugural meeting were uh, were Dr. Julie Gerbening with the CDC. It was the administrator of FEMA, Mike Brown. Uh, There were people from the Pentagon, from the White House, from a number of different agencies, in addition to faculty from across Harvard University, the deans of the School of Public Health and the Kennedy School. So we set ourselves up to a pretty ambitious challenge, join leaders. And so Mike Brown, of course, was head of FEMA during the Katrina response. And um, I got an email from him a few days into it. You want to study leadership, come on down. So I flew down to New Orleans and was able to shadow him in his last days as federal coordinating officer of the, uh, of the Katrina response. And so I was there when Secretary Chertoff relieved him of duty, Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, when Admiral Thad Allen of the Coast Guard took over. This truly was a crucible moment for leadership. Uh, of disaster response in this country. So being there, talking with Mike, meeting Thad Allen at that moment, and then seeing how that affected the response turned out then to become thematic for the NPLI. When possible for national scale scale events, we wanted to be with the leaders, shadowing the leaders, or interviewing them as soon as possible after the event. And that provided us insights into their leadership challenges, their practices, what worked and what didn't work, that we then translated into the meta-leadership
0: curriculum. And I have to say, it's, it's a whole different world. Myself, having been with you uh, in Deepwater Horizon, Rich with you during the Sandy response, and together with others, the, the difference between what actually happens in the field and what the theories on intra- and inter-organizational relationships say is going to happen, it's completely different. And understanding that you have to, it's great to have the theories and they help you build some continuity and some, some coherence, However, you have to actually make sure things can work when people have to make decisions and have to take action.
2: Rich? And just following up on something that Lenny mentioned is, you know, being in the field and watching as things develop and how the leader responds to those. But also, you know, looking at it, I had the opportunity from both sides that I had both yourself and Lenny follow us during the Fourth of July, also during the marathon prior to the bombing in 2013, and seeing how you worked on that side, and then having the opportunity, once I joined the faculty, to actually go down to the White House during the Ebola crisis and talking to people in Washington, D.C. during that period of time, and then again in Texas uh, with the Ebola crisis that struck there, and then during Hurricane Harvey this past year down in Texas in the Joint Field Office and visiting an amazing number of alumni that were in the JFO as it was developing, including the lead federal coordinating officer there. And I think that was key, is developing those relationships with folks ahead of time and visiting them and being with them in the times of crisis. Not only there to observe them, but sometimes being asked, uh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I think that really helps the NPLI really see what's really going on, not just what's in the book, but also seeing their experiences as it's happening.
0: So when you get those questions, when you have those conversations in the field, what are the one or two things that you people bring up to you that they either brought from the program and have put to use or said, gee, I wish you'd taught me that because I'm trying to figure this out now?
2: One thing that most people always say is the, the cone and the cube, is the ability of how they can look at things different ways because one person will tell them one thing, one person will tell them something else, and having that ability to step back. People refer to that routinely all the time, and I'm sure, Lenny, you run into others as well.
0: For our listeners, I just will say that we will put some information about the Cone and the Cube on our website so you can learn about this tool and how to use it.
1: The other thing that people talk about is the emotional aspect of leading through a crisis, and that is the benefit of being with the leader one-on-one, because they feel ready to talk about it. and so. Uh, One of the concepts uh, that we teach in the curriculum is is going about going to the basement and you're in that panic uh, response and getting out of the basement. And leaders will talk about either their experience of going to the basement or not going to the basement and the experience of other people and how they helped get them out of the basement. The other piece is people will say that this meta perspective, looking at the problem very widely uh, is a benefit because when you're in the middle of a complex response, there are a lot of logistical details that can be distractions for a leader. And I've heard many people say that I needed to be the leader, I needed to be the meta leader, I needed to see that bigger picture, because I have a lot of operational people who are taking care of bits and pieces uh, of the overall response, but somebody's got to be looking at the bigger picture. And that has been another uh, comment that I've heard from people in the
0: field. I want to ask you both, and Lenny, I want to start with you. How has your thinking of leadership and meta-leadership changed over these 15 years? And obviously, you started with one challenge from the federal government. You've been doing this a long time. You've been at numerous events. How do you think about things differently now than then? We usually
1: get in an airplane uh, when we're going to study an event. And so the week of the Boston Marathon bombings, I happened to have been in Washington that day uh, giving a full-day seminar to 150 national security experts. Well, you can imagine the response in the room when word came about the Boston Marathon bombings. Rich, by chance, he was the deputy administrator of FEMA. He was in Boston, and so he was here watching events. And interestingly, Wednesday evening, I was returning to Boston, he was returning to Washington, we got together for dinner, and I shared with him what I was seeing in Washington, he shared with me what was going on in the ground. And what's fascinating is, it was almost like two different events, the Washington view and the Boston view of the Boston Marathon. One of the lessons that we took from that was the importance uh, for leaders to understand complexity as they're leading through events. Of course, the Boston Marathon bombing response was a federal, state, and local response. It was businesses, it was communities, it was the Boston Athletic Association. There are a lot of different organizations that were involved. So with that, we developed this whole idea of swarm leadership by observing those leaders. And then with that, we included a whole section on complexity and how leaders need to understand complexity, what they do with complexity. And our hope is that rather than shying away from the enormity of what they're dealing with, that complexity will intrigue them and encourage them both to understand and work with it when they're leading through complex events. You
0: know, and I think that what's interesting there, Lenny, is that we, we know from having studied this that, that when you have that meta view, it's a fundamentally different way of thinking and acting about a problem than if you're managing the logistics and the operations. Because one is very linear and you're looking at optimizing the system and moving the trucks from here to there. Having that meta-view where it's much more about relationships, you've got the politics come into things, the media comes into it, all sorts of different forces you don't control. So being able to operate in that environment and be effective is really critical.
1: And the other thing is that all of the leaders who are around the table, I'm talking about the senior leaders, need to understand that they're dealing with complexity together. No one has the full explanation of what's going on. No one owns the full solution. And the only way they're gonna understand it and the only way they're going to respond together is is if they're working together. And and that was one of the findings of the Boston Marathon bombing response. And it's certainly part of our teachings now in the meta-leadership curriculum because as a frame of reference, rather than getting into a panic of there's just too much going on, uh, people can say, well, how do I identify what are the key themes here? How do I provide that leadership? And then interact with operational leaders so that we're truly working together.
0: Now, Rich, that was your life. So talk a bit about how you see this, and also, what were the one or two things you took away from the program that were valuable as you were out dealing with this complexity?
2: I think one of the real tools that came out of the meta-leadership training for myself personally was the, the ability to look at that meta-view, because myself, as many leaders, have come up through the ranks and did all the operational, tactical, and to break away from worrying about the specifics of what's happening, this was a great tool to do that, to take it to the next level so you could understand through looking at lens through meta-leadership. And not just during a response, but I also think uh, Lenny happened to mention earlier about the whole of community. And if you look at whole community and how that was developed, it's actually pretty analogous to looking at meta-leadership, especially looking at the connectivity part, how you're able to lead across and beyond. There are a lot of uh silos that people operate in, or as our colleague, uh, Dr. Dawn, refers to them as cylinders of excellence. Uh, many cylinders of excellence that people are doing great things in their own silo, and they're doing wonderful things there, but connecting all of those, how to bring all those groups together, be it federal, state, local, tribal, is, you know, those are all each their silos, and then on top of that you have silos that is the business community, the private sector, many individual silos there, then another silo that you have the faith-based communities, the nonprofits, all those silos there. Then a whole other group of silos with the, um, is should bring together the public and realizing that the public is actually a huge part of what we do and shifting the focus. And looking at meta-leadership actually allowed to bring that, bringing all those silos, the connectivity of all those groups together, it really was the basis for starting the whole community as we, as we started bringing all those different groups together. No one person, no one agency, no one city, no one county, no one state right now can do this, it's, can deal with all the issues that are happening. That's why we all have to come together. That's why the whole community and using meta-leadership as the tool is something that gave me a great tool to help in times of crisis and also planning for those as well.
0: And so we've had 15 years of the MPLI. We've had about 50 years, give or take, of getting really serious about emergency management, incident command, really getting consistent structures, consistent training across the board at many levels so people can work well together. Where do we go next in terms of leadership in these areas? Lenny, let me start with you.
1: Well, the types of disasters and crises that we're facing in this country and abroad uh, are changing. In part, they're changing because of climate change. So the hurricanes are fiercer. Um, The tornadoes are fiercer. Um, The implications of of warmer summers uh, are beginning to uh, get people thinking about how we need to think differently about the future. So there's that. And and the other thing is that international tensions um, are changing. And as we're talking with people in Washington, they're concerned about, you know, mega catastrophes. Before it was mostly uh, terrorist events such as what we saw on 9-11 or such as what we saw in, in the Boston Marathon bombing. But people are, are, are thinking, but what if there was a true attack uh, on this country? How do we prepare for it? How do we think about responding to it? So, you know, I think one of the important challenges facing the country is how would we deal with a crisis on a much larger scale? And one of the lessons we hope that we provide to people who've been through the NPL, and certainly when I'm in the field people say this, is that you need to lead intentionally. You need to understand what it is that you're doing as a leader. You need to avoid getting caught up in the distractions and you need to be focused on the bigger picture because that's your job. There are a lot of people dealing with other elements of a response that bigger picture is truly the job of the leader and I think even more so in the future as we're dealing with more complex events that will be the true essence of the leadership challenge.
0: Rich, what are your thoughts?
2: I think one of the things that we have to look at going forward is over the last 15 in the last 50 years we've put a lot of emphasis on training incident command system over the last 15 years in the last 50 years we have put a lot of emphasis on the national incident management system NIMS we've put a lot of emphasis on the incident command systems, and that's essential training for folks. But I think over the next years, we have to start to look at leadership. We have to start look at the importance of leadership and meta-leadership is how we're able to connect those. We've uh, done a tremendous job here at Harvard in the NPLI program. But I think how do we bring together, continue to bring together leaders, try to get meta-leadership in the lexicon of folks, how so? folks can understand how important leadership is in times of crisis, how important leadership is, in times of peace, and how important leadership is in getting p- people together for people to follow you.
0: And I think just to, to add to that, I think the, the pressure on leaders now, because not only are we seeing more frequent, in some cases, and larger scale disasters, we're doing so in an environment of ubiquitous transparency. So now as soon as something happens, someone is filming it and broadcasting it live to the world. And that goes anywhere from the protests in Charlottesville to the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. Any incident now is instantly live. And that's going to change the dynamic for leaders on the ground uh, because now they're under a microscope. They have no more time to create a barrier between themselves and the, and the, the public. It's, it's happening in real time. Do you see that as well?
2: Uh, Definitely. The way that we uh, respond, the days of holding a press conference, you know, two or three times a day is gone. I mean, you still need to do that occasionally, but as you said, information is out there immediately. And you have to be able to respond quickly to those. Uh, But you also have to be able to look at, and leaders should be looking at where we need to start going in the next two to three years. It's no longer five, 10, 15 years away with artificial intelligence, machine learning. Social media has changed the way that we respond. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, others are going to change the way that we have to prepare. And if leaders don't step up and do that now, we'll be behind the curve as we were with social media. Leadership is key. The other thing is that and we discussed this in the executive education program,
1: many times leaders, because of the ubiquitous uh, presence of the media, see the media as an enemy, see them as giving us a hard time. And one of the key characteristics of the emerging leaders today is that they have to see the media as their friend. Uh, It's a way of pulling in information. It's a way of pushing out information. We certainly saw that during the Hurricane Sandy response when uh, Rich uh, stood up the FEMA Innovation um, uh, Project, that uh, information from the field was flowing into FEMA and the FEMA was able to use that information. And likewise, they were able to use volunteers who were working on social media to push information out to the community so people knew where they could get gas or where they could get food or where they could get help. So in that way, and, and I'll, I'll give Rich a lot of credit for that, what he did is provide a role model for using the media as a tool and as a friend. And because of the presence of social media in our lives today, the expectation is if there's something that I need to know, I will know it immediately. And if there's something that somebody else needs to know, they will know it and they will respond to it immediately. Instant gratification. That's life today and leaders need to be able to work with that and figure out how to incorporate that into their response if they're truly going to meet the challenge.
0: So you're getting ready to welcome cohort 16 of the residential executive education program. Early in 2019, you're going to launch an emerging leaders program for the first time. Uh, Lenny, where do you see the NPLI going over the next 10 years? Well, there's several elements. One is we are
1: hoping uh, to raise endowment funds so that the NPLI is a permanent feature here at Harvard University. And so that's certainly one of my personal goals. And, uh, And two, In my mind, the greatest contribution of the NPLI has been to develop this network of leaders who are around the country and who are working together in ways that we don't even know, but that's fine. So how do we nurture and encourage the network of leader-to-leader NPLI alum working together in the middle of disasters because they truly are a national asset, and for all of us, it's how to make the best use of that asset.
0: You can, of course, find out more about all of these programs, as well as case histories, research reports, other things available to anyone in the field at our website, which is npli.sph.harvard.edu. Lenny and Rich, I want to thank you for joining us. Listeners, we look forward to being with you on our next episode of Leader Readycast. And until then, remember that when the crisis hits, you're it. Be ready to lead. This has been another episode of Leader Readycast from the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative. Subscribe to Leader Readycast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And find out more about us at npli.sph.harvard.edu. Follow us on Twitter at HarvardNPLI. Thanks for listening and be ready to lead.